Welcome to the Edification Station podcast. Thanks so much for listening. My name is David, and my goal in starting this podcast is to help you find that other people are also asking questions about who God is and why he does things certain ways, and sometimes wondering why he doesn't seem to intervene when big things are happening that we think he should step up to the plate for. And today's episode is about the question, who do you say that I am? And I want to tell you a little bit about my own experience growing up as a Christian and trying to figure out my whole faith on my own. And I think a lot of you will be able to relate to what I'm saying and take encouragement from it. So here goes. I just turned 30 this year. Right now it's March 4. And I can't believe that the third month of the year is already underway. Lately, I've been thinking a lot about my 20s and everything that I went through. And even though I have had a relatively easy life as far as some of the big things are concerned, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, for example, I had a really challenging 10 years of my 20s. And part of that was due to things that I decided to do and other things weren't really up to me. But what I want to talk to you about today is my issues with Jesus. Specifically Jesus, not just God. I was good with God the Father. I was good with God the Son. But I realized later on in my 20s that I had issues with Jesus Christ. And the reason is because I have a really strong protective instinct. I'm always thinking about how I can keep other people safe and how I can make them make sure that they're okay. I mean, part of that is nature, part of that's nurture. I'm part of a family of lots of medical practitioners. My dad's a doctor, his dad was a doctor, my aunt is a doctor, her husband's a doctor. So I grew up in a culture of service and paying attention to other people's needs. But when I got older, actually at the age of 20, I became really aware of the fact that I have this strong protective instinct. I think most people have that to a point, right? Like if you're a parent particularly, uh, you feel protective of your kids. If you have a significant other, you feel protective of them. If you have siblings, you feel protective of them if something seems to be putting them at risk. There are some people who really feel strongly about protecting everybody. And often these people end up in careers in the military, law enforcement, and other things like that. And that's the kind of person I identify as, as a protector. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because when I would think about Jesus, I couldn't relate to him as also being a protector, which was super annoying because the Bible has all sorts of verses about God defending the fatherless and the widow and delivering the oppressed and these kinds of things. And I just couldn't seem to picture Jesus like that because stained glass windows at all these different churches made him look so skinny and weak and meek and mild and dejected. I mean, if you look at him in so many of these pictures, he's just got his head down and the guy looks like he's really having a bad time. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to be disrespectful or sacrilegious or anything, but he just doesn't look like he's capable of protecting anybody, much less 
saving people or performing miracles. And then on the other side of that, I remember growing up as a kid in church and seeing these felt cutouts of Christ. And he was this guy standing around with this perfectly clean robe and he was multiplying fish and bread or he was holding a shepherd's rod or something like that. I don't know. He just looked really fake. And I wasn't aware of it when I was younger, but I developed this issue with Christ in my mind as far as my perspective of who he is and his ability to be God. And I remember I had a really big turning point in the summer of 2017 because I had a really, really big setback. It was very hard for me. Um, I had been preparing for this career move for a good five years, no joke. Uh, physically, mentally, I had researched everything for it. I was working out. I was um, experiencing suffering on purpose to develop mental toughness, you name it, right? I was um, practicing for the role that I wanted to get into. And when I finally got to training, I ended up getting hurt and I was not able to move forward with those plans that I had. That was super hard for me because like I said, I'd been training for five years for it. And even longer than that, I had been interested in it. It was, it was really hard for me to accept the fact that it wasn't up to me that it hadn't worked out. And I remember coming home from that and being super embarrassed because I had felt pretty confident that I had a good shot at it because of all my preparation. And now what was I going to do with my life? I was expecting to be doing this thing for several years and now I had to reevaluate all my plans. And so my friend Francisco invited me to come to his place in Ohio and hang out with him for a few days. And on the weekend, we went to his church and I remember getting there and the pastor got up to do the opening prayer for the service and I just thought to myself, man... If this guy's going to preach, <laughs> I hope it's not too long because he sounded like he was going to be super boring. The guy just didn't seem to have much energy. But I was happily surprised when he got up to speak and he was actually super compelling. He's the kind of person who when he walks around, you don't really think much of him. He's kind of easy to not notice. But when he opens his mouth... It, you rivet your attention on every word that he says. And the reason it was so powerful for me was because he was preaching from his own experience. And specifically, he was talking about Jesus. And even though I had been a Christian for my whole life and I had been converted at 14 and baptized at 15, I found that he had a different kind of relationship with Jesus than I had ever had. And my conversion was very deep. It was very moving. It was very re real. And even still, I, I somehow had not really connected as much with the person of Jesus as I had seemed to feel close to God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. But this guy was talking about Jesus in a way that I could relate to as a protector. He told the story of the woman caught in adultery and Jesus not giving into option A or option B that the Pharisees set up for him, which was option A, follow the law of Moses and stone her, 
And option B was tell them that they should just forgive her and let her go. And then they could say, oh, well, then you're not the Messiah. You're not from God because you don't obey the law of Moses. But he gave option. He chose option C. And I started liking this about Jesus. He was an innovator. He didn't go with the flow. He was way more unconventional than I had ever conceptualized before. And what he did was he wrote all their sins in the sand. <laughs> Man, can you imagine that? Just talk about taking the wind out of someone's sails. They were so hyped up. They were ready to kill that girl. And actually, scholars believe that she had been set up, that they had intentionally, that they had chosen this guy to go be with her and then for them to be caught in the act so that they could take this lady because they knew that she knew Jesus. And uh, anyway, it was a big setup. But man, Jesus outsmarted them. And so I liked that story of Jesus because he didn't seem like a little felt guy. He didn't seem like some super lame stained glass guy. He was cool. He was a protector. He was thinking outside the box. He was defending someone who had been wrongly set up for something bad and he told other stories about Christ and I just started developing this different picture of him and it made me question who I believed he was and in preparing this idea to share with you guys I thought of the story in Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus asks his disciples who do men say that I the son of man am that's in Matthew sixteen thirteen, and verse 14 says so they said some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and some Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And the reason this story is important to me, and the reason I wanted to share it with you is because we have very strong perceptions perceptions of who we believe God to be. And some of them are good and some of them are really bad. A lot of them have to do with our life experience. For example, if we have a good relationship with our father, then we're probably going to have a pretty decent perspective on who God the father is. But if we have a bad relationship with our dad, for example, if our dad was abusive or if he was manipulative, or if he was someone who you couldn't rely on, then it's very possible that you're going to have issues with God the Father, and you're going to have a struggle in believing whether or not he's going, to, he's able to fulfill the promises that he said that he would do in the Bible, right? Matthew chapter 6 is a passage in which Jesus is talking about how we don't have to worry about our daily needs, because if we place our treasures in heaven, if we choose to make the kingdom of God our first priority every day, then God will come through and he will provide for us everything that we need. But many times we start thinking that he's not going to come through on those things. And what happens when we do that? We start relying on ourselves more because we turn our vision from looking up at God and beholding him and being transformed thereby to looking down at our own lives and getting stuck on our own circumstances. And then we end up transferring 
our faith in God's ability to provide for us to our own inability to provide for ourselves. And here's an example. I'm reading this book right now. It was given to me by a really close friend called Dangerous Prayers by Pastor Craig Rochelle. And he talks about how our fears are the things that we don't believe God will bring about in our lives. For example, like I was just talking about, God has promised to provide for our needs financially with clothing, with food, you name it. But many times we're wondering if he's going to, you know, we're wondering how we're going to make ends meet. We're wondering how we are going to get by in different areas of life. And it's because we are relying on ourselves to provide for everything. And I'm not saying that you're not supposed to work and anything like that. I think you get what I'm saying, right? But what we're doing is we're choosing to believe that God is incapable of fulfilling his promises. And that's really dangerous because if you don't believe that God can do what he says he's going to do, then you have bought into some serious lies from Satan about God's character. That makes God out to be someone who is incompetent, who is distant and aloof, and who truly doesn't care about you. And ultimately, he can't be God. And so if that's the God that you believe in today, I really encourage you to take a step back and say, who do I say that he is? Right? Who do I believe God to be? Because we have been given the word of God. We've been given the Bible. And all throughout it, from page one to the end of it, we see stories of God doing incredible things and making incredible promises to us. And fulfilling his promises in the lives of so many people. And I bet you that the times in which you struggle to believe that God will do what he said he would do are the times in which you're not spending as much time refreshing your memory of who God is in the Bible. And so I encourage you today to spend time searching out his identity in the Bible, asking God, Please reveal to me who you are. Because if you're sincere and you do that, I guarantee you that you'll get answers. I guarantee you God will reveal himself to you in all of his glory, in all of his grandeur, in all of his capability, in all of his love, in all of his beauty, in all of his intellect, in all of his wisdom, in all of his goodness, in all of his grace, etc., etc., etc. And you will be so uplifted by finding out who he truly is to you. And the last thing I'm going to say is that if you take time to reflect on your life, like I've been doing lately, particularly about my 20s, and you ponder the times in which God was definitely intervening in your life, you will find renewed and strengthened faith in who he is to you now, And you will know that he is going through every trial and difficulty with you and every good time with you. And it will give you faith in his ability to provide for you in the future. And you will find yourself able to resign your fears and take your hands off your life. And you will find yourself able to find sweet peace in surrendering control. Because like Matthew 6 is talking about when we when Jesus was talking about how we worry about so many things, the worry is just stemming from our attempt 
to it's like grasping at the wind right we're just trying to control things that we have no control over we don't have control over the future we don't have control over so many things and yet we're trying to convince ourselves that somehow we do have control but we always end up empty-handed and disappointed don't we so spend time today right now giving yourself the opportunity to find god in all of his grandeur in all of the complexity and beauty of his identity and encounter him in a personal way so that you can truly say that to you he is your forgiver he is your friend he's the one who gives you courage when you went through that hard breakup or when you lost a family member or a loved one or when you were struggling with an addiction or you name it right through the good times and the bad he's there and he's real and he's present it's what i found in my own life and i hope that's what you find in yours thanks so much for listening